Welcome to the UC Berkeley Data Science Education Podcast. We're happy you're listening in today. In this space, you'll hear from a variety of distinguished data science educators and professionals. The individuals we'll speak with are diverse in experience and perspective, but share the common goal of shaping the future of data science education. Our idea is to have some informal conversations with the goal of creating community and let people hear from practitioners in this growing new field. My name is Eric Van Dusen from Data Science Undergraduate Studies in the Division of Computing, Data Science, and Society at UC Berkeley, and I'll be leading our conversation today. And my name is Kalechi Nebadam, also from Data Science Undergraduate Studies. I'm working as an intern with the division's external pedagogy team, and I'll be helping out today too. Today we have Julia Koshinsky from University of Chicago with us. Julia, could you give us a brief introduction to yourself and what you're currently working on? Absolutely, Eric. Uh, thanks a lot for the invitation. I'm the executive director of the Center for Spatial Data Science at the University of Chicago. We're part of the social science division here, and um, listeners will be familiar with data science, which intersects uh, computing and statistics, and spatial data science is a subset of data science which handles the spatial characteristics of spatial data with explicitly spatial methods, including a focus on location, distance, and spatial interaction. And uh, Luke Anselin, who's been uh, the faculty director of the center, has been teaching uh, spatial analysis courses for over 30 years. If you're interested in those, uh, we have a Geoda Center YouTube channel. And the classes typically focus on first establishing literacy in uh, areas like geocomputation, spatial econometrics, and location-based cluster statistics. And we have a team here at our center um, at UChicago who teaches um, intro undergrad classes in a geographic information science minor, um, for, for instance, focusing on uh, exploratory spatial data analysis, and we use open spatial software to do that, um, including programs that we develop um, at the center, like Geoda or a Python-based library um, called PyCell, that's for spatial analysis, or spatial uh, libraries in R, or um, a new open spatial platform we're developing uh, called Matico. And you know these like regular data science classes. Um, these classes are popular, they fill up pretty fast, and in the last years as we're looking at student assignments and the research that's been published with our software, we noticed several challenges, um, including a lot of mechanical applications, you know, people not really testing systematically for biases and errors, and a lot of boring results, you know, where you're confirming the expected and then the question is, okay, is this us or um, are others experiencing similar challenges? And then by, after you know, looking at um, and talking to, to colleagues, we realized, no, we're actually not alone in this. 
um, especially this problem of mechanical applications and um, you know a lot of biases and errors or not being aware of that um, has been a problem identified by others. There's for instance, two recent books that um, formulate and address um, these challenges. One is uh, Nine Pitfalls of Data Science um, by Gary Smith and uh, Jay Cords of Pomona College. And then uh, Thinking Clearly with Data by Anthony Fowler and Ethan Bueno de Mesquita um, at UChicago here. And so the, the problems aren't necessarily new, but they seem to be accentuated in this context of combining two fields, right? So computation and statistics. And um, as a result, there's less depth um, that and you have less time to, to go in depth uh, in these areas. And the classes are getting larger and larger. So suddenly, you know, we're, we have hundreds or sometimes thousands of students. So the risk of using data and tools on autopilot, you know, seems to be um, getting greater in this context. And so then the, the next question is, okay, you know, what can we actually do about this? And more specifically, you know, how can we teach data science and spatial data science by establishing computational and statistical literacy, but also avoiding these pitfalls of going on autopilot, um, you know, ignoring errors and biases and confirming the expected. And what actually works best to go from that state to re-engaging students in the thrill of discovery for learning to be alert um, for being wrong and getting more interesting results. And so there's a couple of non-spatial solutions uh, that I'm aware of that um, you know I can talk about and also give you an overview of um, what we're working on. Um, we just started working on this, so I'd love to use the podcast to connect with listeners um, who are interested in this and either join existing communities or create new ones uh, to, to find solutions in this context. And one plug for our panel um, on June 30th, that's part of um, your Berkeley National Data Science Education Workshop where um, you know we're going to be talking about um, data science education and uh, scientific reasoning. Fantastic. Thanks for that overview. Um, why don't you start out by giving us uh, some of the examples of the non-spatial data science uh, that you've been looking at? Great, yeah. So there's some really um, exciting uh, examples in uh, non-spatial data science. One is right here on campus at UChicago, uh, Thinking Clearly with Data. It's a course that they've been teaching for several years and a new book um, that has a subtitle, A Guide to Quantitative Reasoning and Analysis, again by Anthony Fowler and Ethan Bueno de Mesquita. It's an, a general intro stats class at Harris, uh, the Harris School of Public Policy that's taught in R and um, the, the focus really is on making students aware of biases in statistical modeling and then how to address them. And when you purchase the book, um, you get all the teaching materials, including the slides, assignments, um, and the data. And Anthony will be part of the June panel to, to discuss this uh, course in more detail. Then the second uh, example is a fantastic course, you know, from your campus, um, Berkeley's Sense and Sensibility in Science course. Um, so this is a general a big ideas course, an intro course that's uh, been taught for, you know, over 10 years now by uh, Saul Perlmutter, 
who was an astrophysicist, then John Campbell, a philosopher, and then uh, uh, several uh, psychologists. And the assumption of the course is that as humans, we're prone to fool ourselves. And, but that's the bad news. And the good news is that we can learn to use scientific reasoning and methods to counteract this you know, constant tendency. And the course is based on a lot of exercises where students can experience falling into these cognitive pitfalls and then learn to reason out of these honey traps. And um, we're particularly interested in the statistical examples in the course. And um, there's a version of um, Sense of Sensibility and Science that's taught at Harvard with that focus. And Aditya uh, Ranganathan um, will discuss that Harvard course um, also on the, the June 30th panel. And then next, there's a, a, a course by Daniel Likens at the Technical University at Eindhoven uh, called uh, Improving Your Statistical Inferences. And this is a free Coursera course. There's also a free online textbook. And I'm sharing you know, all of the links that I'm mentioning um, later. Um, and the, the course teaches uh, statistics with a focus on bias avoidance, right? So it starts with what are prevalent biases and then teaches statistical methods um, in terms of how to address them. So for instance, um, you know, you would go through what false positives are first and then design experiments where uh, false, the po false positive uh, rate is controlled. And again, you know, Daniel will be um, one of the, the panelists on uh, June 30th. And uh, two more examples. This is more of a grad uh, example than one high school. Um, so at the grad level, uh, Richard McElreath is um, doing a, a free YouTube course um, called Statistical Rethinking. And this one is really grounded more in a specific you know, science domain where he argues, uh, where he goes through the steps uh, from scientific theory and then to scientific process models and then embeds the statistical tests um, for these models in that context. And the argument that he makes throughout the course is that without these scientific causal models, you can't really interpret um, the data with statistics. And this is, you know, besides the YouTube class, there's an open textbook and it's based on a, a flipped classroom model. And then, um, you know, finally, uh, for high schools, um, one of the examples of uh, a great new high school curriculum is called Skew the Script. This is uh, developed by recent high school graduates themselves who are teaching students to reason with math in um, addressing off-script problems with messy real-world data. And um, this was developed to counter these mechanical applications um, when high schoolers are taught math in a vacuum um, with these scripted textbook problems that they don't perceive um, to be relevant. And um, one of the curriculum developers, um, Nicole Cotton of Screw the, uh, Skew the Script, will be um, at the, the panel as well. And then related projects um, that are exciting in this context are the Calling Bullshit project at uh, University of Washington. Then there's a, a great podcast by um, Glenn Colopy called Data and Science, um, a blog, Data Collada. And if you, are, you have other examples, I'd you know, love to add them to our list here. Um, you know, feel free to email me at spatial at uchicago.edu. Thank you. That's a great overview. Uh, really, really good um, references there.
from those examples, uh, do you want to talk more about what you're doing at UChicago? Absolutely, yeah. So there's two things that we're doing that uh, differ from these examples that I presented. Um, so the examples are, you know, focused on, on regular data science and statistics education, um, while our focus is on geospatial data science. And then a second difference is that the framework that um, we're using uh, focuses on scientific reasoning for exploring spatial data analysis. And that framework is a little bit broader than the emphasis on bias in the existing non-spatial courses. Um, and so basically what we're looking for is the intersection of data aid and uh, sense and sensibility and science. And so what do we mean by scientific reasoning, right? There's a huge and old literature in uh, philosophy of science, and there's more recent work in uh, science of science, sociology of science, study of science. Uh, and so we're, we draw on some of that literature to focus on three aspects that we found particularly useful for uh, teaching spatial data science. One is um, explanation, where uh, you focus on specifying the mechanisms that drive outcomes. Two is falsification, where you try to really prove yourself wrong instead of confirming um, what you think is right. And the third is abduction or abductive reasoning, where you're going back and forth between um, data and theory. And these three aspects of scientific reasoning are related to scientific attitude and kind of a mindset. And um, so, you know, just to flag this, there's three components um, of scientific attitude that are especially relevant here. One is you care about evidence. Uh, two is you're willing to be wrong. Uh, three, you're willing to update beliefs. And the, you know, this is this sounds great, but in reality, we often fail to inhabit this attitude, both as uh, you know, individual analysts and as a scientific community. But um, you know, this is aspirational. And if you're interested in the the scientific attitude aspect, there's a, a great book by Lee McIntyre on that topic. Okay, great. So you've set us up with explanation, falsification, and abduction. Can you tie those into how you're framing spatial data science? Yeah, absolutely. So it turns out that these three concepts often are not explicitly um, taught in spatial data science courses or, or general, data, it, it general data science courses, um, which makes you know, this focus relevant because it's really a different way of, of teaching it. Um, so again, you know, starting with, let me walk through each, all um, three of these. Um, so starting with explanation or specifying the mechanisms that drive outcomes. So in spatial data science courses or, or general data science courses, the, there isn't usually a focus on explanation. And instead, there's more of a focus on prediction, optimization, you know, recommendation and description and a focus on so-called data science life cycles where you go from uh, cleaning data, formatting it, making sense of it, and this is really more of an engineering perspective uh, than uh, explicitly focusing on explanation. There is sometimes there are sometimes classes on data science for specific data for specific science domains. For instance, AI for astronomy um, or you know data science for physics or something like that. 
But our focus here really is on general intro classes using, using ESDA, so exploratory spatial data analysis, or you know, in a non-spatial context, um, uh, exploratory data analysis to discover and uh, improve explanations. And so then the second uh, concept, falsification, it has a more specific meaning in philosophy of science, um, for instance, with authors like Popper or Lakatos. But the key in our context is that you're trying to prove your explanations wrong instead of looking for confirming your pre-existing beliefs. And this, again, you know, is related to this mindset that I mentioned earlier, where by default we're prone to fool ourselves and we really need to pay attention to counteract this tendency. And when that really, that approach leads to a different way of analyzing data, where you're much more careful at checking constantly, where are my assumptions wrong? You know, where might the data be wrong? Where are the models biased? Instead of going through once analyzing the data, as soon as you find evidence that confirms, you know, what you were looking for, you know, you're done. And so the falsification aspect is um, uh, what these existing courses that focus on bias, um, you know, fits, uh, fit best with. Uh, so then finally, the focus on abductive reasoning um, means that you're going back and forth between data and theory to assess how plausible potential explanations are. And so here, when your expectations are contradicted by new evidence, you want to update those explanations to resolve the conflict and then test again. And this is different from, for instance, a data-driven or inductive approach in engineering where you're letting the data speak or where you're uh, looking for statistical patterns like outliers or correlations or clusters, but there's no back and forth with explanation and theory. And then um, on the other side, um, this also differs from approaches used in fields like economics where you have really strong theoretical assumptions because they're going back and forth with, uh, between data and theories looked at with suspicion because you're testing too many times, right? And so you prefer to just have a, a, a strong theoretical starting point. You test and then you move on. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've taken quite a few data science classes here, but I haven't taken any that focus on like the spatial aspect of it. So I'm really curious to know how you guys at UChicago are applying scientific reasoning to spatial data science. Great, yeah. And so um, we're doing two things in that context. One is we're adding spatial examples to some existing courses uh, that I mentioned so that there's flexibility in having different um, specific examples that can be uh, used for what is already there. And then we're developing a new course that integrates uh, spatial data science and um, scientific um, reasoning. Let me explain the first case uh, first. So um, these are adding spatial examples to existing classes. So for instance, this summer, we're working with a team of summer research assistants to spatialize some of the Jupyter notebooks that, um, the, that were developed as part of the Sense and Sensibility and Science labs. And so they um, combine a, a focus on, for instance, correlation on causation and let students abduct 
actively reason through the difference um, between those um, and or for instance um, explore through these different experiments the difference between um, you know distinguishing signal from noise and what we're doing in that context is um, taking the notebooks, spatializing them, and then uh, creating story maps as part of our new and open spatial platform, uh, Matico. And then in the longer term, um, we'd like to also uh, do something similar for the Thinking Clearly with Data course and add more spatial examples to that so that that textbook can be used in uh, spatial analysis courses. And so then the second um, project is to develop a whole new course that um, allows us to work through in more depth um, through these concepts of explanation, falsification, and abduction using one um, his history of science example. And the example that, that we're using is how cholera and, or the transmission of cholera was discovered in 19th century London. Um, it's a great spatial example that is also used in the uh, Data 8 course and you know, features John Snow's work um, in the context of competing explanations. And uh, so there I'm working with colleagues um, Tom Coleman and Dan Black here at UChicago to um, use philosophy of science uh, authors like Popper, Lakatos, and Peirce to explain you know, how explanation, falsification, and abduction is used in those contexts, and then um, show how these concepts actually played out in practice using the history of science course. So for instance, um, there was evidence that people got sick from drinking contaminated water, but um, people believed, um, you know, other people believed that you got, actually got sick from inhaling contaminated air. And um, in the face of that evidence, they weren't actually willing, you know, to give up those beliefs and instead protected their theories from falsification by adjusting uh, the airborne theory, right? And so in the paper, we walk through how falsification actually worked, um, you know, in that real world context. And then um, we're also working with a historian, Peter Vinton Johansson, on uh, translating, you know, the, the, this concept paper and example to teaching materials and a syllabus um, where, for instance, students are um, assigned to four groups of um, historical uh, theories. And um, then they're, you know, we're setting it up so they're tempted to fall prey to confirmation bias within their group and really identify, you know, with that perspective. And then analyze spatial data from the perspective of that respective group and compare the evidence um, of their group um, across these different perspectives uh, in town hall meetings. And so there you're forced to confront alternative explanations in these meetings, you know, and potentially update um, your positions. And so we've um, tested, you know, some of the spatial snow data and scripts at an undergrad and high school level um, here at UChicago that um, where we're teaching spatial data analysis in the context of scientific reasoning. The high school example, um, we worked with UChicago's Data Science Institute and um, Argonne National Labs on uh, data for all short courses um, with underrepresented high schoolers. And I'd say that worked quite well for getting more engagement and um, being more aware of errors and biases. What we still need to work out is how to get to better explanations and more interesting results.
That's actually so funny that you mentioned the Jon Snow example because I vividly remember learning about him and his study during Data 8 last year. Um, And I never actually knew that that was spatial data science. But I'm curious to know, how do you see the future of data science over at UChicago? So, you know, let me answer that in two parts. One is our focus on spatial data science. And then there's also, um, you know, a general data science um, effort uh, in the computer science department. So first for the spatial data science, um, we'd love to, in the future, figure out a way to teach spatial data science that um, allows us to go from mechanical applications to engaging students in the thrill of discovery. Then going from, you know, move the needle from, you know, more errors and biases to a greater awareness of those things and addressing them and uh, figure out how to go from expected to unexpected um, findings, uh, you know, in teaching this. And so we need um, more testing and evaluation to figure out, you know, what works, what doesn't. um, And once we know that, then we could think more about how to scale this. Um, so in order to achieve that, we'd love to, you know, build a community around this. And as I mentioned, you know, I'd like to connect with people interested in this. Um, we've been talking about doing a symposium and have, you know, about, you know, maybe six to ten groups, um, including the ones that I mentioned today who, who are interested in this. Um, and again, if you're interested, um, please join the June 30th panel at the Data 8 National Workshop. Then, in terms of uh, general data science education at uh, the University of Chicago, Mike Franklin, you know, came from Berkeley, chairs the computer science department here. They have a data science minor and recently added a data science major and now also have a new uh, data science institute. And if you're interested in their activities, including their future roadmap, um, they have a um, an inaugural event to launch the Data Science Institute officially um, on May 9th that you could join remotely as well. That's actually so exciting to hear. Now that we've gotten to the end of the interview, I just wanted to ask if you had any parting thoughts or any words of wisdom for all the other data science educators out there that might be listening. Okay, Um, so what makes this exciting to me is that's about changing the way we think about teaching data science, including spatial data science, right? And so I think there's there's an unprecedented opportunity now to use spatial and general data science education to better inhabit the scientific uh, attitude where we really take evidence more seriously and try to really avoid fooling ourselves and update our frameworks in the face of countervailing evidence, uh, even if it hurts, you know, to let go of our old beliefs. And so I think that is worth investing in. Nice. Thank you. Great insights. Look forward to talking again in June. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you're interested in learning more about data science education resources, please subscribe to our Substack to get notified when we release any future podcasts. And join our community Slack channel through the link provided in this episode's description. Thank you.